The 80th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti... It's going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh Nathan, back with you guys today. It's another double-up edition of the pod. We're going to recap last night's win over Virginia Tech and get you ready for tomorrow night's game against Boston College back in the Smith Center as Carolina is going through a stretch of five games in 11 days, three games in six days at the Smith Center. They're all big ones, and as we talked about leading up to leading up to last night's game over Virginia Tech, Carolina needs all three to keep pace if they want any hopes of being securely in the field come Selection Sunday. They entered last night all the way down on the 11 line of the latest uh, bracketology projections by Joe Lenardi from ESPN. I don't know if last night improved that by any stretch of the imagination, but it kind of secured that standing as Carolina got a a 78-68 to win at home over the Hokies, and it wasn't a pretty game. Carolina shot just 37% from the field. They were 6 of 20 on their layups, but a team that had two disappointing efforts last week on the road at Miami and at Wake Forest, and games that resulted in 20-point losses, they responded in a big-time way. I mean, even if they had lost the game, it would have been more of a lack of execution as a, more than a lack of playing hard and, and, and playing with energy because I thought those aspects were there. I thought the crowd last night was as good a crowd as Carolina's had all year long. I thought the crowd was really into the game, and I thought I thought the team fed off of that energy last night, and they needed that. They needed to know that the fan base, despite back-to-back losses, is is still behind them and supporting them. And I think they definitely got that last night. Armando Baycott was sensational, 14 points, 19 rebounds, 10th straight double-double, longest such streak since Billy Cunningham did so in the mid-1960s. Caleb Love, a big 22-point performance, only 5 of 14 from the field, but was 9-11 from the foul line. This team had scoring droughts at times. They won an eight-minute stretch in the second half without making a field goal, but when they needed to make a play on either end of the court, and for the majority of the game it was on the defensive end of the court, they made the plays they had to make, and that was ultimately why they beat Virginia Tech. Yeah, no, I mean, and you got to hand out a lot of credit as well. I thought a guy that really played very well in this game that had a lot of pressure coming in and sort of, you know, sort of, what am I looking for here? Um sort of represented the team in its entirety on the night was Brady Manick. A guy that was 
taken a lot of criticism for mm-hmm. his performance in the last game against Jake Laravia and faced a pretty tough matchup in this one. Uh, you knew coming in that Kevin Aluma was going to be a tough matchup. Now, I will say this, Aluma, man, we had such big expectations for him coming into the year. Uh, he has not lived up to that so far, and he didn't really do that last night. But you got to give credit to to Manic. He he did a good job of helping take that away. Yep. But yeah, you're right. The effort was there, and to be honest, I'm not shocked by that because it's at home. Mm-hmm. That's the frustrating part about all of this is that you see the way that this team plays at home. And you say, well, why can't we see more of that? But yeah, overall, I thought the effort was great. I'm with you. I think the execution, uh, especially, you know, half-court offense, I thought it was good. I think the problem was you just, you got where you needed to, you just couldn't finish. And you got lucky that you got to the foul line 26 times. I mean, part of that, look, I say you got lucky. You did a good job of getting yourself to the foul line as well and then making your free throw shots. But this is one of those games where I'm not really going to say I'm mad or disappointed or anything like that. I mean, look, it's, it's, it's a win, and you have these moments in ACC play. This is a game where you really felt like Man, this team, Carolina should be up by more in this game the way that they're playing because they've had so many great opportunities to finish at the rim and they just could not get the job done there. You can't can't go 6 for 20 on layups in many games and expect to win. It felt like a a game you saw a lot under Roy Williams during his 18 years where Carolina – was clearly the better team on the court. I don't think there was a question last night that Carolina was better. They got better athletes. They got better talent. They've got better everything. Well, they didn't play well, but they found a way to win. And I think, I think that's something that this team has done. They did this early in the year, mm-hmm. but it was with their offense because they couldn't get consistent stops. You were outscoring teams, and they were middle-of-the-road Power 5 opponents, Brown. College of Charleston. They won that game last night because of their defense. And that is something that even when they were having the stretch of holding opponents to under 65 points or less, they were opponents that they should have been able to lock down defensively because they were middle of the road, mid-major opponents, right? Mm-hmm. Last night, I mean, look, Virginia Tech's not going to make the NCAA tournament barring a season turnaround. That was a tough matchup for this team. They were able to spread you out like Wake Forest and Miami did just a week ago. Therefore, man, could take you off the bounce like Miami and Florida uh, Wake Forest's guy could just a week ago. You just handled all of those aspects better. And I, I think you're right. I think that's where the frustration has set in for, for Tar Heel fans, the coaches, and the players, because I think we could all agree that if you put that game in Blacksburg, and look, Carolina's got to go to Blacksburg in a couple weeks, we're probably talking about a different result. We're probably, you're probably listening to me yell right now and rent and rave. But it was at home, and this team at home is the best team at home in the ACC over the last two years. They've lost once. 
That was and that was a randomly scheduled game against Marquette because of COVID issues. Like it, it was one of it was one of those things where had they gotten beat, we'd have been talking about it was a lack of execution that got them beat, not a lack of them trying or playing really hard, which was really the what came down and cost them the game really at Wake Forest more than anything last week. Take a look at the box score here really quick. Virginia Tech actually outshot Carolina by 10 percentage points, 47% compared to Carolina's just 37%. But this was the kicker. Of twenty of, of Carolina's 23 made baskets, 10 were behind the three-point line. They were 10 of 25 from three. So this is coming, out, coming after shooting 21% at Wake Forest on Saturday. You saw the good version of the shooting team that this team can be. Virginia Tech was 7 of 18, 39%. You mentioned the free throw shooting a little bit earlier. Carolina, 22 of 26. That was 85%. Virginia Tech was just 7 of 11. So that attack mode was there from Carolina. They didn't settle. They pounded the painted area as much as they could throughout the night, even given the success beyond the arc. I thought the turnovers were a really big part of the game as well. Just seven turnovers for Carolina, which Virginia Tech converted just to seven points. Now, Virginia Tech only turned the ball over nine times, but Carolina got 12 points off of those turnovers. Rebounding, Carolina 43-32. Carolina just beat them up on the glass, led by Armando Baycott's 19 rebounds. Um, It was 27-27 on the defensive glass, but Carolina 16-5 on the offensive glass. Second chance points was actually pro-Virginia Tech over Carolina. They got 10 second chance points compared to Carolina's six. Bench points was 6-2. Virginia Tech points in the paint. 36 to 20 Virginia Tech. Uh, fast break points 6-2 Carolina. Blocks 4-2 Carolina. Steel 6-2 Carolina. And both teams had 13 assists. The bottom half of that box score, when you get to the second chance points on, you would have thought Carolina would have lost the game. Getting outscored in second chance points. Getting outscored by 16 in the painted area. Right. But there are two areas that are different from the other night where you can see why there was such a difference in the game. And points off of turnovers the last two games on the road were huge reasons why you lost. And in the game against Wake Forest, we talked about one of the most egregious stats that you'll probably see ever in Carolina history, which was they were outscored in transition 30-2. to Mm-hmm. This game was completely different. Even when you did turn the ball over, there was hustle to get back and make a play on the ball. You didn't allow them to go down and get those easy buckets. That was the response. That was the adjustment that you wanted to see from this Carolina team and that you got from this Carolina team. The other two that you were talking about, I mean, points of the paint. I mean, look, you had a good night from the outside. And for some reason, this team right now wants to stay, you know, p- play on the outside. I don't get it, especially with the start to the game that you had. But last night, you honestly had no choice. You had to go out there at some point because inside, no matter how close you were to the basket, you weren't finishing. The points in the, or, or the second chance points, that was what, if I just looked at the box score, I would have said, without the final score, I would have said, yeah, they lost the game. Because they had 16 offensive rebounds and converted into six second chance points. Mm. 
That is, that means you converted three yeah. of those offensive rebounds or, points. Or three. two. Or two. But yeah, you don't, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's unreal. And the looks that you had, mm. it was just nuts. But I think that, honestly, it's almost a credit to this team. And it almost goes into showing how talented this team is, the fact that you were that bad on layups. You couldn't hit a bunny. Yep. And you still won by 10. That was a game you, at home, honestly, you make half of those, that's a 20-point win. Yeah. So that I think that just shows where they're at, how night and day they are at home and on the road. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I felt like... That game should have been over in the middle part of the second half because of how they competed on the defensive end of the court. I thought they took Virginia Tech out of what they wanted to do as as well as they could have. They made them earn those sixty eight points, um, but but they couldn't get the gen. They weren't generating the easy offense we've seen them get at home in their last two wins in, in ACC play. Last night they made it. They they made that win about as difficult as they could on themselves with how they had to score offensively, and it, I mean every time it felt like okay they can take control here, they would let Virginia Tech back into the game. Now I will say this: there was a time early in I don't know if it was like midway through the first half where. Virginia Tech went on an 8-0 run. Mm. That was one of those moments where so far this season, you would have said, well, this team's in trouble because they haven't been able to withstand these runs. They took that punch, and what did they finally do for one of the first times this year? They ripped off a run of their own. So I got to give them credit for that because that's something that we've been asking them to do, and they just haven't done it this season. This time... They ate that punch, and they said, look, we're we're still in a good spot here. We know we're not going to get out of what we do best in order to try to get ourselves back on track. I feel like they've done that way too much. They didn't do that in this game, and it worked out for them. Yeah, Hubert Davison mentioned that in the postgame as we'll move on to the quote of the game. And Coach said, uh, to stay with it through the ups and the downs, the turnovers, defensively we had lapses. There was a, there was a togetherness about this team that I, was very, that I was very proud of. In the huddle, this was the first time where guys were talking about togetherness, perseverance, and let's stick together. The communication amongst teammates, the energy was really good in the huddle. When it looked like things were turning, we all stayed together. I was really, really proud of them tonight. They needed them. They needed every bit of they needed or of every contribution they got. No Dawson Garcia, so your bench was going to be limited once again. He only played eight guys last night because, of course, Anthony Harris is done for the rest of the year. You put five starters in, or you put five players in double-figure scoring. They were all your starters first time this season. You've put five guys in double-figure scoring. And I thought that was a really big thing that this team could have could have quit. Because they quit on the road at Miami and at Lake Forest, and that's not me being harsh. That's me being very blunt. It was very clear in their effort. When the going got tough, they gave in. They didn't give in last night. They showed a level of toughness that 
they should be able to build upon of and draw back on when they get themselves in a tough situation, a tough game, and that's going to happen maybe this week, whether it's tomorrow against Boston College, who beat Virginia Tech, or at home against NC State on Saturday, a team that doesn't have a pretty record, but they play really hard, and they're going to be really fired up when they come to the Smith Center on Saturday to try to get a big-time win. Let's move on to the stat of the game, and there was a lot of different ways we could have gone with this one, as there usually are. I went with turnovers because they only committed seven of them. Had this been a turnover uh, a turnover game that we've seen in the past, double digits, high teens, this game probably goes a different direction. But they they protected the ball and they valued they valued each possession as well as they've had all year. It kind of felt like a game against Virginia, just against Virginia Tech, where you, because and it was more because you weren't you weren't making good shots that you had to make sure you valued the ball because you couldn't just give them points because it was still a four point game deep into the second half as well as you were playing defensively your offense just couldn't put the ball in the basket and so that's I, I thought that was key I thought had this been a game where they got loose with the ball and Virginia Tech tried to force turnovers that's another another aspect where they were aggressive. Mm-hmm. Carolina was just really strong with the ball, and it paid off for them to get a big-time win at home. So, Well, they had to be because coming in, I mean, Virginia Tech was allowing 59 points a game. So this was a team that we knew, Oh, yeah, you're right, almost played a little bit like the Virginia Cavaliers. Maybe not as staunch defensively, but they were going to win the possessions, and if you turned it over, then you could be in trouble. And, and here's the thing. Against Virginia, when you turn it over, the problem that you run into with them is you know, okay, they're going to slow down, take the air out of the ball, and that's going to limit the possessions to a minimum. With this team, you you also worried a little bit about the fact that they could get out and run on you if they needed to. They've got the athletes to do it, Mm -hmm. so I would combine the turnovers with those points off of turnovers. Because the last two games, that has been such a big issue for you. And that is in part due to hustle. But, you know, you turned it over way too much in each one of those games. And that led to teams being able to score almost an average of two, two and a half points on you off of those turnovers. In this game, turned it over nine times, only allowed seven points off of those turnovers. So, good job protecting the ball. But also, when you did turn the ball over, good job hustling back to make plays on the ball. Let's get into our takeaways from last night's game. We're going to start with the defense because I thought you could put that defensive up there with Michigan and Virginia. Even though they gave up a lot more points in this game than they did against either of those two teams, I really thought Everything that needed to be there was there. I thought I thought they were active. I thought they were competing. They were trying to beat Virginia Tech to their own spots, running them off the three-point line, closing out, doing everything they had to do. And they had to. And I think that was something that maybe that, that light switch flipped for them because they weren't scoring the ball like – they were accustomed to doing, and they st- they scored seventy eight points, but that was mainly because of their their free throw shooting. That type of effort, that's contagious. That's something that we should see carry over tomorrow, Saturday, 
and you're hoping the rest of the way. Because I think where we get so frustrated with this team isn't that we don't think they can't be a good defensive team. That's not the case. They've shown us four or five times this year against quality competition. They can be really good defensively. Mm -hmm. It's there. They've got the talent. They've got the athleticism, everything you need to have to be a good defensive team. You've got big guards. You've got length on the perimeter. You've got a shot blocker or two down low. But when you don't communicate and you don't do the right things, things break down. And they had a couple of defensive lapses last night. It's going to happen with this team for sure. And, you know, you kind of worry. It was kind of like, oh, no, is that the end? And I thought they kept responding and they kept fighting. And they made Virginia Tech earn 68 points. Yeah, the want-to was definitely there. I think we had questioned that. We had questioned the care factor of this team. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And look, that's still going to be there. Look, you can do that. Again, we're not questioning how you play at home. And and it showed again last night because, again, you put out a defensive performance that made us say, hmm, okay, this team really is capable of being a at least an average defensive team. Are they going to have those moments? There were still moments last night where they couldn't guard the dribble. That's an element of this team. Mm-hmm. But... For the most part, they did a good job of preventing that dribble drive penetration that has just that has just killed this team. Like you saw, if you want to see a game where everything breaks down because of it, go back and watch the Miami game. That was the main reason that everything started to break down was because you had to help with the guards driving that left the stretch five open. And in this game. You could have ran into that same yep. sort of issue. This was a good three-point shooting team coming in. But this game was very similar to the games that we saw earlier in the year. Mainly, I look at the one against Furman, a team that came in, could shoot the lights out from deep, and you you know that was a concern that was on your plate. And for me, it was even more of a concern coming into this one because the last two games, yeah, teams shoot well from, from from the outside against you. So I thought they made a really good adjustment in that department. I thought guys did a much better job of staying in front of the basketball. And I think one of the biggest things about that is you just saw it, – it, I know we keep going back to it, but you just saw the effort consistently throughout the night. And that's what this team has to realize – you're capable of doing it. You've got the athletes to do it. There are some guys where, yeah, it's definitely not their strong suit, but that's all we're asking for is show us that effort because when you do, we're not going to be overly critical of you if you struggle that badly. Like Brady, I'll, I'll give that to Brady Manick the other night against LaRavia. I think Brady Manick was giving it all he got, all, all he had. I just don't think he's that great of a defender. It's the other guys that you were saying, man, why is the, you're not staying in front of the ball, but we've seen you do it before. Mm-hmm. Brady Manick, no, we haven't seen you do it before. You can't stay in front of the ball. That's just, that's you, man. So, they, again, they show these capabilities. Now it's about, hey, let's take the film of Michigan, Virginia, and Virginia Tech. 
I want you to burn that into your brain. And that needs to become the habit moving forward because, yeah, last night they show what they're capable of. Yeah, they, no, they most they most definitely did. And, and you're just, you're hoping, heck, I'm even praying at this point that it 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 clicks and then we're we're at the point where we're not having to worry about it we just we know can we just see that every other game on the road even if even <laughs> if you have an off you cannot have like they did against Miami and Wake Forest where it was back to back nights against good ACC opponents where you just had nothing for them defensively yep move on to Carolina's half-court offense and it was it was a thing of mystery last night it started off fantastic because you got 12 early points from Armando Baycott made Dude, his first six baskets I was eating dinner Mondo was eating more than I was and that's that's uh, saying a lot I'm a big dude okay all right that was I mean the dude had that I mean he had what 10 of the first 12 points first a, eight a better analogy would have been the first 12 points I scored on one leg in my 35-point performance. But see, we're telling truths here. I was actually eating during the game. And I actually scored 35 points on one leg. <sighs> nah, maybe on maybe on the video game, but... Nah. You can't make a one-legged video game player. So you, you probably could. Nowadays, you probably could. But six of six, and you, every Carolina fan sitting there thinking, this is going to be easy. They can't guard them. They took Storm Murphy off of them because that was the big thing. And Randolph Childress, by the way, let me just go ahead and say this right now. Yeah. He has a place in the ACC basketball lore. Oh, no. His crossover is overrated, and that's probably the Tar Heel fan in me saying that. Jeff McGinnis agrees with you. He's not an analyst. Ooh. Not in not in a game analysis format because how okay that was the driest analysis this, I've heard since I heard Tyler Hansborough call a game against Northeastern a year ago. This is opening Pandora's box though for Josh's uh, announcer or not announcer game. We we honestly we could do a whole podcast on announcers and whether they meet Josh's criteria of announcers. There, there that was... would be but first of all like most Carolina basketball games, <laughs> most don't live up to expectations. <laughs> I mean, here's here's the key. Here's what I did. I didn't have the sound on. I'm, I'm going to be real with you. I didn't have the sound on. I was multitasking at dur- during that. I was focused on the Carolina game, but also had another game that I was eyeing during that time. But I what I do, I just turn them on mute. Honestly, I think it allows me to focus better on the game anyways because you don't have them telling you what's going on. Um, but yes, the crossover is definitely overrated. Slight bit. Still a heck of a play. Uh, Jeff McGinnis also apparently not a huge fan of that play being brought <laughs> brought up. Randolph told us that when he was on a couple weeks ago with us. Uh, Jeff apparently gets very, very irritated when that is brought up. But So as Randolph Childress dryly explained on air, they took Storm Murphy... So you like his analysis, but you're complaining about the delivery of the analysis. Yeah, deliver it with some inflection. I don't... Look, I don't care if the delivery is all that great. If you know what you're talking about, you know what you're talking about. Oh, no. Hey, wait a second. I'm trying to be entertained. Wait a second. I don't mean to do this to you. 
because it's it's getting into a different sport. Aren't you a fan or or used to be a fan of one of the driest analysts in all of sports? Troy Aikman. That was pre-Tony Romo entering the booth. That's, and, that and wasn't... He, no, no, no. That was not my question. My question was, weren't you a fan of... Of Troy Aikman's dry analysis. There, there was a time. Yes. Because it, it, it wasn't dry analysis. Yeah. Oh, come on. N- now come he's on, just man. bored. Dude, Troy Aikman has never been the life of the party. Let's be honest here. But back to the game. He starts 6 of 6. He scores 12 of Carolina's first 19. And you're thinking, okay, he's going to have a 30-piece and Carolina's going to win by 15 or 20. <laughs> That didn't happen. It was like they got that initial burst, and they worked and earned everything they got. Credit Virginia Tech. Mike Young, heck of a coach. Yeah. Made the right adjustments. But, man. Yeah, man, I mean. Carolina's offense last night in the half court, it wasn't that they weren't getting good looks. I thought yeah. they got – the type of looks you wanted to get. They simply didn't make them. And it was more of the shots that it was, it was in the case of those are the shots they should be making as opposed to the could be makings because Caleb Love hit a couple tough NBA type of three-pointers where he got isolated, had to make a play, and he made it. But you were 6 of 20 at the rim. And as you mentioned, they, they might, I'm going to be honest, they might have that there was one possession in the second half where I, I would have to say five or six of those missed layups came in one possession. It and felt I like mean, it. I am I am talking about there were a couple of shots that were not even remotely close. I, I don't I have no idea what happened because he started, as you mentioned, a beautiful six of six. He finished from the field as I have to switch over the stat One of page. 12, seven of 19 overall. One of, no, no, your math is off. One of 13. Oh, they must have updated the stats. Then. He went seven of 19. Oh, yeah. From no, the field overall. Six. One of 13 down the stretch. How do you go from hitting the first six shots of the night? You have the perfect touch on those shots, everything. And all of a sudden, it just leaves you that quick. I was I was mind-blown. And look, he had a great night. You, you don't have 19 total rebounds in a game that you foul out of. And you say to yourself, ah, guy had a bad night. Yeah. It was just, honestly, there was a point in the game where I, I, I literally just yelled out, what the hell has happened? How? How? We're up to 21 laps now. How? How are you missing these shots? Well, over and over again. It was the same shot, too, yeah. that was missing. It, oh, man. Some of it, like Hubert Davis made a joke in the postgame saying he was missing them on purpose to pad his offensive rebounding stats. Okay, ha ha. Was he, though? I mean, I really... <laughs> are, are, we, are we sure that he wasn't? Like, it was just like in that situation, dunk the ball, dunk it. 
I think they or, had a couple of times where they tried to and or, it didn't and, even and, really and work And draw out. a foul and go to the foul line and then I'll live with the – I would rather watch miss free throws than miss layups. Well, there, there, that, that was part of it. There was a drive in the second half that RJ had where he – it was a transition play too. And he tried to lean – he tried to do the thing where he goes to his right – and lay it up, but falls away from the basket to try to draw the contact from behind because he had someone there, and he just he just bricks it because he's worried about drawing the foul. And I mean, look, it, he had a he had a good night overall. Okay, that's not me picking on RJ and saying, look, man, he was the only guy that I thought that was the problem on a lot of the plays down low that they missed. It's no, guys just you. trying to draw that end one opportunity, and it's like, just finish. I mean, look, you, you just got to understand, though, it's a lot of fun being able to yell and one at guys. I mean, I remember doing it all the time. From the bench, that's why you got <laughs> teched up so many times. But outside of the layups, I thought the offense was there. I thought the ball movement was there. I thought... Everything that I wanted to see was there. The ball just didn't go in, and we can't talk those, about those. Were the best looks that they've gotten offensively since Georgia Tech? Yeah, yeah. Maybe even Virginia, because Georgia Tech was a lot of them making tough shots. I would even go back to the. Oh my God, maybe the first meeting with Georgia Tech, but even that was just they. They. Uh, no, I would say App State was probably the last time I said, "Man, they've got easy looks at the basket." Last night. The ball movement allowed them to get really good looks. It's just the ball wasn't going down. And that was the point. There was a point in the game where I got really concerned, where I'm like, these aren't going down. And we know how this works now, unfortunately. And we also know how it works from our NBA team. When you're losing, there are times where you can do everything right and the ball's just not going yeah. through. And that felt like that last night at a point where you were like, Oh my God! Is this is this just what it is right now? Like they're just they're losing, and this is going to happen to them, and they're going to. But they they did enough late in the game, and, and guys hit big enough shots to win the game for this team. Got to mention two players really quick here. I don't know if Carolina wins without Leaky Black last night on offense. Ten points, three of five from the field, made two three pointers. We, I, we can't ask that of him every night because that's just not who he is. But it felt like him being around for four years, it was like he sensed the moment, I've got to make a play or two for my team on the offensive end of the court. And seeing those shots go down, you could feel it in the crowd. It Just a pure elation to see him have offensive success because there have been games where – he hasn't shot the ball, and we haven't needed him to shoot the ball. Mm-hmm. But last night, we needed him to take those shots because so th- those most, shots were there. Most people probably think that I was sitting at home angry that he was knocking down shots. <laughs> but the, the, the point that you want to get to with him is what you saw last night. If you want to leave me open, then go ahead. Because I have the ability to knock down those shots. That's the point that you're hoping to get to with him. I'm not saying I want this dude to be isolation, one-on-one, step-back J, leaky black. That's not what I'm looking for. But when they leave you open like they did a couple of times last night, you've got to be able to make those shots because 
it cannot be it, so at certain points this year, especially in the last two games that you played, did it not feel like most of the time that he was on the floor, you were basically playing five on four in the half court? Yep. Because there's just there's no threat of him doing anything offensively. I've said it. And I'll you know, it'll probably pop up again. I need to go back and count it. How many games has he had no points? A lot. That's the concern. It's like he when you say, hey, a guy is having no effect on the game on the offensive end of the floor, usually you say that and he's got like three, four points. No, this dude literally has multiple games this year where he has no points. Yep. Games where he has one shot. Games where he didn't even shoot the ball and was out there for 30 minutes. So last night, you see a guy that ends up, you know, he looks confident, ends up making a couple of shots. It's just he's got to be a part of what you do going forward because as you saw last night, you take away his ten points. Game's going to overtime. Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt. The other guy I think you got to mention is Brady Manick, fifteen points, and they all felt like whenever he made a bucket, especially in that second half, it felt like Carolina needed him to make those shots. And was five of twelve from the field, was four of eight from behind the three point line, grabbed eight rebounds, handed out three assists. I thought his energy on both ends of the court was was contagious because I thought he was competing his tail off defensively and offensively he wasn't just settling for outside shots I thought he was trying to get better looks at the basket and we have I don't think we've gotten the version of him we expected to get upon him transferring in I think that's fair to say but he has value to this team and if this team wants to make a run at any sort of ACC regular season or a deep run in the postseason he's going to have to be a part of that yeah, yeah, yeah. He hit some clutch. He, he hit some clutch shots last night. They they needed him late in that game, and as a guy that's a senior that's been there before, that's been in those situations, now already at Carolina, but a lot at Oklahoma before that, you needed him to step up and play well. And the other guy that you got to recognize too is Caleb Love. I know that he, he's he's extremely inconsistent to the point of where we want to scream and yell at him every time that we crack these mics. You may want to. Oh, you mean, you mean on the podcast? Cause, yeah. Because at home, I scream and yell at him. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I scream and yell at uh, the cheerleaders when I'm at home. <laughs> I scream and yell at I'm you. I'm just kidding. I don't actually do. But it, it, last night, he stepped up and made a lot of huge shots. And... They, I mean, he, him and, and RJ have done that a lot this year, especially at home. They've made some huge shots. And same thing, it, that if he doesn't hit some of those shots that he hits in that second half last night, they lose the game. Carolina doesn't win, the, doesn't win the game. So you've got to give him credit. It's just all of these guys that we're talking about, we are asking the same things of them every time that we come on here. And it's the it's it's the theme of the season, consistency. It's, Can you find it? And it's the theme of the podcast because in our pre-show meeting, I had to talk about your consistency. So it's a player issue. It's a podcast. My host. consistency. Con- I am as consistent as it gets when it comes to the podcast. When it comes to 
uh, my fandom, when it comes to my non-success with women, I am as consistent as it gets. There is nothing that changes about me. That's, not, that's, not, that's not what the comments say on Spotify. Yeah? Is there actually any comments on Spotify? Yes. Yeah? I, I, I paid a uh, comment generator to go on there and generate comments on the podcast. I wouldn't doubt it. I, I wouldn't doubt it. Although, I, I would doubt it a little bit because you're... You're you're a cheap you're a cheap dude. Um, yeah, I mean, look, when it comes to love, wait, which one are we talking about here? Are we talking about Caleb Love? Or are we talking about my love life? No, we're talking about Caleb. Oh, okay. Just wanted to that, clear. Cause, cause just he, wanted to clear that up because he actually exists. Come on, that was that was come that, on. That just had to be that made. hurt, dude. He's a frustrating player, but when we get the good version of him it makes the frustrations worth it because he has all the talent in the world he's as naturally a gifted a point guard as Carolina has had maybe since Ty Lawson it's just seeing it all come together and getting that consistency on both ends of the court because he can take games over on both ends and last night look credit to him he said after Wake Forest I'm going to be better the next game he was. So now you got to be better tomorrow night. And then you got to be better Saturday. It's got to be a constant ascension of you improving. Yep. Not good one, bad two, good two. No, 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 no. We need consistently good. Because when you're consistently good, Carolina's consistently good. Well, there's going to be ebbs and flows. That, that's with every player. But not me. Your, your lows cannot be. Just so much different than your highs, and that's what we've talked about so much with this team as a whole this year. The last thing I want to touch on was the rotation. Mm -hmm. Because Carolina only played eight guys. As I mentioned, no Dawson Garcia dealing with a family issue. Prayers and thoughts are with him. Anthony Harris, done for the rest of the year. We know about that. Didn't see the freshman last night. Um... But I didn't think they needed to play. I thought last night was the right night to utilize a short rotation. And I'm going to tell you why. Justin McCoy only played 11 minutes and only scored two points and didn't make a field goal. I thought he impacted the game as much as anybody on the court because all of the good attributes of him on the defensive end, they were there. And I really thought we saw what he's going to really need to be for this team night in, night out next year. On, on that end of the court, but I thought his impact was dramatic. And look, I I, I want to see more puff, and we we still I still think the best version of this team will include and highly involved Kerwin Walton. But as a guy who's come on here and complained about not playing enough guys, I thought last night was the right night to not play the freshman because. If you would have gotten in in that game, which you got at Notre Dame, which you're putting them in a situation where they need to make plays and they don't make the plays, you probably get that same result. And and so I I, I still think if Huber could go back, he will – and this was something we will monitor really closely next year. He'll start with a more expanded rotation in November and December and shrink it down into January, into February, I thought last night was the perfect night to play a short man rotation. Well, the team on the other side as well played 
probably the shortest rotation that you faced in a while. I mean, they they had three guys that came off their bench as well. They they had you know one guy that checked in late, played a minute, but they they ran almost the exact same rotation that you ran off the bench. They were extremely limited. So yeah, you were going. You wanted your best five against their best five. And I thought that was what you saw for the majority of the game. So yeah, I don't have a big issue with it. Now, the concern is that for Carolina moving forward, does this hurt you now tomorrow? Does this hurt you against NC State in terms of your guys getting worn down a little bit? Because this is... This is one of the most difficult stretches of the season because they moved this Virginia Tech game from its original date because it was postponed because of COVID to last night. So that's the one area where you might say, okay, should he have played some other guys because what does this look like as we go throughout these next few games? But I think you kind of also had no choice you couldn't really take guys out and throw in you know the freshman because you felt like hey I I need my veteran guys in a game that we really need here Um, and you could say whatever you want Carolina needed this one desperately if they would have lost this game you really felt like three in a row first home loss of the season being that third game could really really start this team slip so, keeping the veteran guys out there, I think, made a lot of sense in this game. Yeah, no doubt. I, I really do think that 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 was sense last night. I, I thought the team played with a level of desperation that they they need to play with moving forward to solidify their NCAA tournament hopes. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll get you this week's ad from DraftKings. Then we're going to come back. Another double-up edition of the pod will be getting you ready for tomorrow night's game against Boston College back home in the Smith Center. Four teams remain in the NFL playoffs, and that means only four teams left for you to bet on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? You can experience the conference championships with the same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can de- you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN, the Basketball Podcasting Network, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required. One per, one per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Really hope you guys are taking a great advantage of all these great offers I've been giving you on the four-corner side of things. Same for Anthony over on the heel-tough blog side of things. Carolina back in action, as I mentioned, tomorrow night at home against Boston College. The Eagles come in with an 8-10 and record. They are 3-5 and in the ACC. They just actually beat Virginia Tech back over the weekend before the Hokies came to Carolina. And they've only got two players that average double-figure scoring. The Langford brothers, guys that we talked about the first time in this game, they're the only two double-figure scoring guys. So Anthony Grant's really struggling. Um, and as we talked about in the first game, he's a, he's a really good coach. He's in a really tough situation trying to turn around a dormant program that hasn't been relevant and literally, quite literally over a decade or so. Um, and so he's he's doing a quality job, but as I mentioned, he's got the three ACC wins, and I think that might have been the expectation when the season started for them was to win three conference games, and they're they're on board or on pace right now to, to maybe eclipse that. Let's take a quick look back at the first matchup. Carolina dominated. They won this game 91-65. to They led by 29 at halftime on their way to the big-time victory. Caleb Love was sensational in that one, scoring 22 points. Armando Baycott had a double-double, 18 points, 11 rebounds. Um, Brady Manick added 17 off the bench, and we were feeling really good about Carolina at that time because they'd went on the road twice in the ACC play, and they had won at Georgia Tech rather convincingly. They had won at then Boston College rather convincingly. What a time. Since then... Not all that great. They've lost at Notre Dame and gotten blown out at Miami and at Wake Forest, two teams that we think we can all agree are better. And Notre Notre Dame a lot better than we thought at that time, too. And so this is the second time Carolina's going to be playing an opponent for the second time. They've already done so against Georgia Tech. They'll be doing so against Virginia Tech later in the season. Same thing with NC State. Don't know if you played Duke, Duke twice yeah. as well. Didn't know if you knew that. Um, so let's let's get into our into our keys to the game. This one really quickly. Try to get out of here. Mm-hmm. I think the first thing for Carolina is just playing with consistency because you're playing your third game in five days and you're trying to better what you did the other night. And I think that's going to be the thing. We've seen Carolina go through these stretches of games before. You go back to that 2017-18 season. They had a three-game and five-day stretch at a pivotal point in the season. Carolina won all three, and it really jump-started a second-half run for them. This could be the same thing for this team. Three games at home this week against three teams that you should beat, but you're still working and proving and trying to get where you want to get to. If they can build off the defensive effort, the other night. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the biggest thing. Do they come out with that same level of intensity? Do they come out with that same level of focus? Because you're playing a lesser opponent, a team that you literally ran off the court the first time you played them. Georgia Tech was different. You blew them out, but you had to earn that blowout a lot of different ways in the second uh, half. That, yeah, that was, a, that was a game that was close at halftime. You ran away from them late. Yep. So I, I think that's going to be something I'm going to be watching is what's the mindset of this team? Mm-hmm. Are they Because they didn't take Georgia Tech lightly the second time in the Smith Center, I thought. Um, and they, they blew them out rather easily. The game was over at halftime. 
this game should be relatively close to over either at the end of the first half or early on in the second half if you attack the game the right way. And so then it's going to be the, that's going to be a challenge for this team and this coaching staff because it's your second 48-hour turnaround within the last 96 hours. It's not easy asking college kids, college kids to do what they're being asked to do. Well, the other the, the the good news is is that the opponent on the other side is doing the exact same thing, and you, you, that is something that you you take a, a little bit of of you know pride in, and that we're not the only team that's going through this. But you better believe that they're going to come out motivated as well. The last time that they played you. They had one of the worst shooting halves probably in ACC history in that first half. Um, They were horrendous. And this game, you have to realize that, look, it's not going to probably be that easy again. A lot of their games, they fought hard. They've got three conference wins, and like you said, most people probably looked at them before the season started and said, hey, if they get to three all season, that's a promising first year. So, you know, they're coming off a blowout against Wake Forest, a blowout loss. They're wanting to prove something as well. So, yeah, you've got to be motivated and ready to go. This game's at home, though. I know the crowd wasn't great the other night, people complaining about that. Well, here's the thing. You want to complain about it, and show up to the games. I don't really know what to tell you there. But this is also the same fan base and fans that wanted to bash the team and say that the season is over after the loss to Wake Forest, then complain when the crowd's not great. I think it'll it it'll still be probably a crowd where we'll look and say, hmm. Okay, this isn't quite what you would expect, but you're at home. The environment is still going to be there enough to where you're going to be able to get up for this game. And and I I think honestly, this team is realizing they 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 should realize how big this week is and and so far, the way that they played in the game against Virginia Tech, I think they do. You've got you've got no margin for error this week. And honestly, if you're if there was, well, guess what, guy? We already won the game that was our margin for error game. Now, we've got to win these next two. I think they know that. Um, and and look, that's a team that's fought hard on the other side, like I mentioned in Boston College. That wasn't a fluke the first time you played them in terms of their struggle shooting mm-hmm. overall and from beyond the arc. They're, they're not a team that should be able to beat you. You need to come out and play like that and put a foot down to send a statement that, hey, we might not be the greatest team on the road, but at home we are a consistently gr- great, borderline great team that 
you are not going to be able to beat in the Smith Center. Yeah, my second key is Carolina's got to finish better at the rim because at mm-hmm. some point if you go 6 of 20 on layup attempts, it's going to come back and cost you. And I think that the game plan needs to be the same that it was the first time you played them. Pound the ball inside and see what the results you got. Again, in the first matchup, remember that's where Dawson suffered the concussion, but Armando, 18, 11, 18 points, 11 rebounds, was 6 of 9 from the field. Brady, 17 points, 7 of 14 from the field, but only two of those seven made baskets were, uh, or two of those made baskets were behind the three-point line. Put the ball inside, but more importantly, finish. If it's through contact, you got to be tough enough to finish. If you can dunk the ball, simply dunk the ball. And, and I, I want to see the guards get aggr- staying aggressive, getting downhill, getting to the cup, but finish. They do so many things right because they they get down the they get down the lane. They're just not finishing when they get there. And so I think that's gonna be the second key of the game. Finish at the rim. Because if 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 you if you don't, you could find yourself in a situation like the other night where you're letting a team that you should beat hang around deep in the second half. Well, I mean, we saw this game playing the first time, as you mentioned. They want to go inside. So yeah, you've got to be able to finish when you get the opportunities inside. That was the game plan against Virginia Tech. And if you would have executed it right. You, it, it would have been over a lot sooner than it actually was. I think Armando's going to come out motivated because that was, I told you when we were talking about the game off air earlier, he looked like freshman Armando in after that 6-for-6 six six start last night where he just couldn't finish mm-hmm. at the rim. So I think he'll be motivated to show that that's not going to be an issue for him moving forward the rest of the year. And yeah, there's a good chance for for Brady to, you know, continue his good play and get the easy baskets. Allow that to open up your outside game because when you do that, that's when it seems like you're at your best. And yeah, I want to see the guards definitely stay aggressive. One thing that they did the first time against Boston College, they sped it up and it worked out really well for them. This is a team that you shouldn't be concerned that they can run with you. When you have the opportunities off of turnovers, off of missed shots, speed it up, get to the rim, and look, either finish strong or get to the foul line. But even when you're getting to the foul line, allow the foul to come to you. This team too often tries to draw the go out of their way to draw the foul. If the foul's there, take it. If not, take the basket and go back down the floor. Not every play has to be an end-one opportunity. The last key is to not let their two best players, and they happen to be brothers, beat you. you got Makai Ashton Langford. He leads the team at 13 points per game. His brother, DeMar Langford, at 10.2 points per game. Only two guys that average double figures for Boston College. It kind of feels like BC back in the old days where they were a two-man tandem, and, and those guys were good enough to keep them competitive, but they weren't good enough to beat you. So don't allow those guys to to have cr- good nights and, and keep Boston College around. Don't give this team hope because they're going to play hard, it, There's it, and they've played hard all year long. They just haven't gotten the results they've wanted. If these guys get hot and get going, they can put the ball in the basket at a pretty good rate and, and, and make this thing a lot more interesting than it honestly should be. So that comes back to that consistency we talked about a few minutes ago mm-hmm. on the defensive end of the court. Come in with the right mindset. Make those guys earn their points. If they earn their points, that's fine. But don't give them an easy 10 to 15 points or whatever 
And and I do think that if you take those two guys away, it's going to be really hard unless you just really mess it up. It'll be really hard to envision Boston College getting a win on the road in the Smith Center. Stop the drive to the basket. It's that simple. Both guys are really good at attacking the cup. Both guys are downhill guards. Uh, You know, Makai Ashton, well, actually... Actually, I think that is his yeah, Mackay would be his first name. Don't know why I said Mackay Ashton. Ashton Langford's his actual last name. He's a little bit of more of a threat from the outside. Uh, Demar, no, no threat really at all from the outside. Not not even averaging one shot per game from the outside. So that should tell you all you need to know. They're two athletic guards that want to get downhill. Those are guys that can bother you now. Some of the guards that you faced more recently, like Wong, like Isaiah Wong, like Alondis Williams, they were guys that could drive the basket on you, but they could knock down those shots as well. So again, this is a team that struggles shooting overall. These two guys are no different, but do not let them get those easy baskets. Do not let them get your defense scrambling and get you out of rhythm because that's when you start to get in trouble. And it's as simple as staying in front of the basketball, not allowing them to get by you, not being not not being a subway turnstile like we've seen at times this year. They're capable of doing it, and they need to be able to do it in this game, and I think they are capable of doing it in this game. Carolina enters with a 90.7% chance, according to ESPN's Basketball Power Index, to win the game. And I think they're going to. And I think it will be a much more comfortable win than we had just uh, last night against Virginia Tech. Not going to say it's going to be the same blowout that it was up in Chestnut Hill, but I do think this team is sensing the moment, sensing how important it is to start playing quality, consistent basketball. I think they're going to build off of their performance last night, get a relatively comfortable win back at home in the Smith Center. I agree with you. Uh, I, I'm not. I, I'm right in the same area as you are. I don't think it's going to be as substantial as the first time. I don't feel like it's going to be as comfortable, nearly a 30-point lead at halftime. But I definitely feel like Carolina is going to be able to flex a little bit of muscle in this game. Boston College is is just they. I mean, I, I think they can hang around with some of those bottom middle, bottom tier teams in the ACC. This, even though Carolina has struggled, is a step up for them. Carolina at home, I like them to take care of business pretty easily against the Eagles. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Before we let you go, go over to the website HeelToughBlog.com where I had you covered following the Virginia Tech win. Go back and read up about, about that. We'll be getting you ready for Boston College and of course there'll be a recap posted the night of the Boston College game as well. Football side of things and the full-blown off-season mode. So we're going into weekly storylines. Go back and check out all the latest going on around the Tar Heel football program as we're keeping you up to date with football and basketball coverage on the Heel Tough blog. As for the podcast, you know where to find us. We're on the Basketball Podcasting Network. We host through Megaphone. You can find us on every major podcasting platform. Just search the Four Corners Podcast and we'll pop up. Like the pod, review the pod, but most importantly, hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any great podcast that we may put out for you during this basketball season. 
Well, that is going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. I do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.